We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. I'm your host for tonight, Nick, covering the Thunder's 121-114 to loss to the Dallas Mavericks at American Airlines Center. We are proudly part of the proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to the uncontested. Leave us a five-star rating and make sure to follow us on socials on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. So as we usually do, I want to start this game recap with some of the big takeaways before we get into the game itself. Um, I think the most obvious takeaway, um, and this is not a, a new theme, this is something we've seen all season long. Um, always kind of going back to the lack of a center on this team. Obviously, Chet Holmgren would make this team look quite a bit different if he was on the roster, even if he was struggling as a rookie. Um, he's a guy that spaces the floor and helps on the glass and does a lot of the things that the Thunder could really, really use right now. But tonight was uh, especially disappointing on the glass for the Thunder as it related to um, allowing offensive rebounds. Um, the Dallas Mavericks just feasted all night long on the offensive glass, um, got offensive board after offensive board, which to make things worse, not only were they getting offensive rebounds and generating second chance looks, they were also making those second chance looks, uh, many of which were three pointers. So in the, in the modern NBA in which it's a three point shooting league, um, Teams like the Mavericks that live and die by the three. If they're making threes, you want to limit the amount of takes, the amount of attempts that they're actually getting. And tonight, they shot the most three-pointers of any team in the entire NBA this season against the Thunder specifically. And they were making a lot of them. And many of those makes were fairly open looks on second-chance looks um, because of offensive rebounds, right? Time and time again, the Thunder allowed an offensive board, kick out to a three-pointer bucket. And those are back-breaking. Like, those are plays that are hard to overcome. And when you look at the Mavericks' 
on the night. Um, they went 22 of 54 from beyond the arc. <clears throat> if you think about the way this game went down, it was a seven point loss again, 121 114. If you'd have told me coming into this game, the Mavs are going to take 54 threes and make more than 40% of them. I would have told you it was a blowout. And I would have told you the Mavs score a lot more points than 121. Um, so going back, looking at that game, like that really was the difference in this one was the offensive rebounds that led to second chance looks, which are ultimately made three pointers a lot of the time. So overall takeaway, the NBA is a three point shooting league. Um, I'm not, suggesting that the Thunder go out and hoist 55, 54, three-pointers a game. Um, but moving forward, this is a team that will need to shoot a lot of threes if they're going to keep up with teams like the Mavericks when this team is contending. And they're also going to need a center to limit second-chance looks and, and three-point kickouts uh, when they're playing against these teams, when they're trying to compete. You know, this season's a bit different where a loss like tonight, you know, the Thunder would like to win that one. But overall, going into a road game against the Dallas Mavericks, who have not been great this season, um, 14 and 13 on the year after that win, but they're absolutely a playoff team, like a projected playoff team. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, Luca will, will absolutely carry this team into the playoffs. It's the last thing he does um, to go in there and allow them to shoot 40% on 54 three-point attempts and only lose by seven um, is impressive in itself, but you know, the, the deficiencies without having a center are very, very clear. And I think that next year with Chet Holmgren, um, he will obviously alleviate a lot of that, but I do think that Thunder still need more size, even outside of Chet. You know, if Chet were to come back tomorrow, he can't play 48 minutes. Um, I do think that guys like JRE and Baisley, uh, Muscala and others can play center in certain rotations and, and for short sense of time. But as it sits today, the Thunders don't have a guy that can go out and play legitimate center um, for even 20, 25 minutes effectively, right? Like JRE is a guy that probably should be playing four. Poku, who plays a lot of center, should probably be playing more of a combo forward, a three or a four. But guys are being asked to play center. And so when Chet does come back, it'll slide those guys down and they can be sort of backup uh, rotational bigs playing in small ball lineups. Um, on the topic of three-point shooting, uh, another big takeaway I had tonight is that Isaiah Joe is a real asset. Um, a lot of the conversation that's been had on Thunder Twitter and and our podcast certainly has been Trey Mann versus Isaiah Joe. I think they both bring very different things to the table. Trey Mann is, is a much better self-creator. Like if you need a guy in the second unit that can generate looks and and knock down big shots, for himself, that's absolutely Trey Man. Like that guy can generate a good look. He can use his dribble moves and his quickness and his step back ability to create his own shot. Whereas Isaiah Joe is more of a catch and shoot guy. Um, but when you're talking about these guys playing with the starting unit, so if you're talking about Shea and Josh being on the floor and who fits better next to those two, I would argue it's probably Joe. Like again, Trey Mann is a better self-creator. He probably has a higher ceiling as a player overall due to his passing ability and his quickness and a lot of things he does with the ball in his hands. But if you just need a guy that's a knockdown shooter, I think Isaiah Joe's taken the cake early in the season. He's been super impressive. Um, tonight, he finished, let's see, four of seven from three. 
there was a lot of times, you know, similar to the way that the Mavs hit some backbreaker threes. Isaiah Joe is the guy that willed the thunder back into some of those situations, maybe not putting him over the top all the time as it relates to like taking a lead on the scoreboard. But there was many times where the thunder, you know, were, were starting to trail by more than he'd be comfortable with. And Isaiah Joe would hit a three or a back-to-back three and pull the thunder back within this game. So it's been super impressive to see him um, as the, the league continues to pivot towards a three point shooting league. We see it every year, three point numbers for almost every team increase. Um, Isaiah Joe's a real asset. And I do think that he's got a place on this team for a long time. Um, uh, he's just been impressive. Like the Sixers, I understand why they had to let him go. When you're a contending team, you need guys that contribute now. I'm not saying Isaiah Joe couldn't contribute to the Sixers now, but they're so deep um, at the guard and wing positions that there just wasn't minutes for him. And, and they had to let him go. And luckily for the Thunder, they pick him up on a really, really cheap deal. And I think he's going to be a piece of this roster for the next several years as sort of a catch and shoot guy. And, and even tonight, like it wasn't all just wide open catch and shoot threes. Like he, he's great at the pump fake sidestep or pump fake let the defender blow by pull up. Um, he's even had flashes of, of mid range shooting as well. So Isaiah Joe does a lot of things. Um, certainly not the, the well-rounded offensive player that Trey man is, but Isaiah Joe um, big takeaway tonight is that he was one of the better players on the floor. He finished with 12 points. He was a plus 11, which was actually the highest plus minus on the team for the night in just 21 minutes in a game where the Thunder lost by seven. So it speaks volumes to his production and, and what he's done overall. So to, to pivot a bit towards the, the flow of the game and what happened, um, really rough start for the Thunder. The Mavericks opened up a 12-0 lead to start the game. Um, Thunder didn't score their first bucket until eight minutes and 22 seconds remaining in the first. It's almost a full four minutes without scoring. Um, SGA helps pull the Thunder back to a, a tie game at 17 all. Um, that's the 230 mark in the, the first quarter. So after being down 12, nothing, um, just five minutes later, SGA and, and Jada had a few big buckets there kind of in the middle of the, the first quarter. They're back to 17, 17. Um, Luca lived the line, which was a theme for both teams tonight. Both Luca and Shea got to the line quite a bit. We'll talk about that here shortly, but seven of Luca's 13 first quarter points were from the free throw line. Um, the three point shooting for the Mavs started early. Like you look back at this game and they shot 54 threes. Um, that was, that was really sparked in the first quarter. Like, in fact, their first quarter pace, um, they were tracking to shoot 60 threes in the game. So that was one of their biggest shooting quarters but the difference was in the first quarter they finished three of 15 from beyond the arc and at that pace um the thunder would have won this game if the mavs would have gone that three of 15 rate the entire way um oklahoma city probably wins this game by 15 20 points but after that first quarter the mavs went nuclear they continued to hoist threes but they started to make them um speaking of isaiah joe late in the first quarter after they tied it up 17 all um, the Thunder actually had back-to-back-to-back triples. The first one was Lou Dort. And then Isaiah Joe had back-to-back triples, and that put the Thunder up 26-19 to at that point. So it was a 28-11 to run to finish the first quarter, which put Oklahoma City up 28-23 after quarter one. Um, the Thunder were extremely efficient from beyond the arc, four of eight on the first uh, in the first quarter. Uh, perfect from the line as well. Shot, I believe it was like 47-48% in the first quarter from the field. So Oklahoma city is actually leading this game by five points after the first quarter, despite 
being down 12-0. So the Thunder, once again, have a slow start. It's been a theme of the year, uh, but they're able to, to crawl back into it. You know, Usually that's a sort of a third quarter thing for the Thunder. They'll get down in the first, they'll claw back in the second, and then they'll kind of take the lead or, or make it a real game in the third. But Oklahoma City was resilient in the first and, and led after the first quarter. Um, from there, the threes really started to fall for Dallas early in the second. Um, they pulled within two points after a couple of uh, made threes early in that second quarter. Um, through the kind of middle portion of Q2, it was a back-and-forth game. It was it was kind of in that two-point lead for the Thunder tie game, two-point lead for the Mavs back and forth. Uh, 35-37 with six minutes left. Dallas scores five quick points to go up two with about 550 uh, left in the half. J-Dub hits a big three, ties it at 40. With five minutes left, uh, Shea checks in um, after Lucas scores five quick points. I don't I don't think that was the reason Shea checked in. I think that five-minute mark was probably when, when Mark had planned to put Shea in. But nonetheless, he comes in right after five quick Luka points. Um, the game's tied with three minutes and 30 seconds left. And then this is where Tim Hardaway just starts going off. On the night as a whole, Tim Hardaway finished six of 14 from beyond the arc, which solid percentage. Like that's not crazy shooting split, six of 14. Um, but the night that the, the Mavs hoisted a lot of threes, that was a really, really, really good line for him. He finished with 20 points in the night, six made threes. Um, and that really started late in the second quarter um, where Tim Hardaway Jr. started, you know, putting the Mavs ahead by, you know, two points and then five points and then eight points. Um, but late in the game or late in the first half, Shea and Luca trade and ones. Um, Luca starts, you know, scoring a few more points. He had uh, another and one right before the half, and the Mavs are up 10. So after the 12 0 start to the game, the Mavs have a 15 0 run to finish the first half. The Oklahoma City Thunder did score a bucket right before um, the buzzer to halftime. So it wasn't a 15 0 run to finish the quarter, but it was a 15 2 run to finish the quarter. And at halftime, it's 66-52. The story of the first half, and it was really the story of the game, we talked about it at the top of the show, um, the offensive rebound and the second chance points. Um, the Mavs had 15 second chance points on 10 offensive rebounds in the first half, which is just a killer. It's hard to beat teams that are shooting that well from beyond the arc when you're giving up that many second chance points and that many offensive rebounds. Um, Dallas won the second quarter, 43 to 24, which was their second highest uh, second quarter of the season. So Thunder defense, not great. Most of that is is due to giving teams second chance shots. Like in football, whenever you turn the ball over inside your own 20 and then the defense gives it a touchdown, really not their fault. Like it's it's just when you get good field position, it's easy to score. That was a story tonight. The Mavs got wide open looks on second chance opportunities and, and made the most of it. So Luke at half has 24 points. The Mavs are 13 of 31 from deep. So after that really rough um, 3 of 15 start, they're 13 of 31 at half, and things really start turning around from beyond the arc. Um, entering the second half, really a, a solid start for the Thunder. Um, they had a four-point possession early in the second half that pulled them within nine. J-Dub had a, a nice mid-range kind of pull-up floater that brought the Thunder within seven. And then... Tim Hardaway Jr. This is like he just continues that that spurt like he had in the the end of the second or end of the second quarter, and although the Thunder were playing really really well early in the second half, 
every time they get close, it seems like you hit a big bucket and they get more second chance threes. The Mavs lead pretty comfortably um, through the middle portion of the third quarter. Um, it was really kind of a, if you think back in the third quarter, it was like a 10 to 14 point game. Most of that quarter, uh, the Thunder would chip away. The Mavs would hit a three. They'd go back up. Um, but really a, a double digit lead for the Mavs most of that quarter, despite Josh Giddy and J-Dub playing really, really well coming out of half. And it was 92 to 79 entering the final months of the third. And that's where things started to change a little bit for the Thunder in the third quarter. Um, Shea starts taking over a bit. He um, brings the game within seven points. It was 92 to 85 with 90 seconds left in the third. Um, continues to take over uh, towards the end of the third quarter and finishes uh, that quarter with 32 points. So entering the final frame, Thunder down seven. Shea has 32. He's cooking. We've got a ball game. Like seven points is absolutely something the Thunder can can come back from in a fourth quarter. In fact, we saw this team come back from 16 down against the Mavs late last time they played each other. So seven points entering the fourth. You feel pretty good about that. Like maybe maybe they don't pull off the win, but at least the fourth quarter um, will be meaningful and these minutes will be minutes of consequence and this team has a chance to beat the Mavericks. Um, early in the fourth, really not much going on. It was kind of sloppy back and forth. Um, SGA actually checks in with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, which is kind of surprising. He had four fouls at the time. Shea's usually a guy that comes in at the five, six, seven minute mark in the fourth to, to close out the game and, and Mark puts him in with nine minutes left, which is a little, bit unorth- a little bit unorthodox. Um, Luca had not come in at that point. He came in a few minutes later. But um, when Shea checks in, it's 108-96, eight-point game. Isaiah Joe hits a triple with seven minutes left to make it a seven-point game. Um, the Mavericks, it was one of those plays that it's just, it's a busted play. Uh, Thunder play great defense, and the Mavs get bailed out um, as the shot clock's expiring in that seven-point game. Spencer Dinwiddie catches the ball with like a second left on the shot clock and just banks a three like total luck. And that puts the Mavericks up 10 with six minutes left. And that's when Luca checks in. So kind of the perfect storm for the Mavs thunder chipping away a seven point game. And then you get this lucky bank and your, your star players coming back in the game. Um, at that point, things got a little bit chippy. There was uh, a couple of offensive rebounds. There was some interesting calls down the stretch, some, some challenges, some, um, some just chippiness with guys kind of, you know, throwing elbows at each other and, and playing really physical down the stretch towards that, the, the latter half of the fourth quarter with about six minutes left. And it's a nine point game with four thirty. It's still a nine point game with two forty five at one seventeen one Oh six. You kind of think this one's over, right? With less than three minutes left. It's a nine point game. It's unlikely that thunder pull off the crazy comeback. They did the last time, but you never know. Um, Shea has back-to-back huge buckets um, with under a minute left, um, pulls it within seven, and then the Thunder get a steal. Shea kicks ahead to Darius Baisley, dunks the ball, five-point game with 28 seconds left. That's when it becomes the foul game. We saw the other night, if you guys watched the Mavericks-Bucks game, um, they had that game in the bag and missed five or six straight free throws down the stretch. So the Thunder say, let's play the foul game. Let's make these guys prove it at the line tonight. They did Mavericks make most of their free throws down the stretch, if not all of them. And again, they ultimately come out with the 121 to 114 win over the thunder. Um, 
looking back more holistically, a few more kind of themes, um, even outside of this game. Thunder, five-game road trip over the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, longest road trip of the season, both from a number of games standpoint and from a mileage standpoint, all against projected playoff teams, and they finished two and three. Um, none of the games were blowouts per se. Like I think if you go back and look at the box score, um, some of the games they lost on this road trip might look fairly bad, like they, they lost double digits um, in, in at least one or two of those games. But most of these games, like the Thunder, were in it. And going two and three with all five games being winnable um, in the late in the third or the fourth quarter is promising for this team. So um, great road trip overall. We talked about this in depth on the on the show last night on Sunday night. So if you guys didn't tune into that, go back and listen to our Sunday show. Um, obviously, we didn't have the Mavericks context, but we talked about the first four games of the road trip and at two and two at the time, just really, really solid. Um, this is a pivotal point in the season um in which it feels like this road trip could have buried the thunder if they would have come in and gone one and five or one and four or oh and five um this thunder team would be six seven games under 500 they'd be somewhere in the ballpark of nine and 18 if this road trip would have gone poorly um which would have felt like you know, you're really out of the playing race at that point if you don't have just a spectacular end of the season. But instead, they go in two and three. They're 11 and 16 at this point, which isn't good, but you're at least still within, you know, three, three and a half, four games of the plan, um, which is which is still absolutely attainable. And you've got a seven game homestand coming up, which was another kind of overarching thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, it's not an easy seven game road trip. Like a lot of the teams they're going to play, especially early in the road trip are really good teams, like playoff teams, um, top of their conference type of teams. You've got the Grizzlies, you've got the Cavs, et cetera. Um, it's not going to be easy, but at least you've got seven in a row at Paycom center where you're playing in front of your own fans and you've got the momentum that you can ride late in games. It's really hard, um, on the road to come back from down, something like 12-0 like we saw tonight early in the first quarter or that 15-0 run late in the second quarter for the Mavericks. Like the fact that they came back on the road without their home crowd was impressive. I think on a homestand, those are the types of games that, you know, maybe the, the Chrome crowd's not going to get you a, a five to seven point swing, but there's situations in the game in which um, you feed off the crowd's energy. Um, maybe you, you don't need to call a timeout in certain scenarios because you've got momentum or, or, you know, you can flip the momentum if it's going against you. And so huge opportunity for the thunder in this upcoming road trip. Um, it would absolutely be a task to go five and two on a road trip like this, but just thinking about something like that, if they were to go five and six, they'd be 16. I'm sorry. If they went five and two, they would be 16 and 18. So two games below 500. If they were to have a, a really, really successful homestand here, or even if they went, um, four and three, you know, you're 15 and, and 19. Like that's, that's a situation in which you're still very much so in the playing race. And, and I know everybody's got differing thoughts on whether this team should push for the play in or, you know, start the tank and, and kind of go for Wimby and scoot and those guys. I think the team just plays it out and sees what happens. I don't, I don't think it makes sense to int intentionally tank the season. If you've got a chance to do something decent. Um, but 
overall huge opportunity to close the year. They've got a, a handful of games, both home and road after the seven game homestand, but um, really interesting point of the season for the thunder. I think as you get closer to the trade deadline, um, the thunder have to make a decision. Like, do we go acquire a center or, or another piece that can perhaps get the thunder in the playoffs? Or do they say, you know, Hey, we're seven games below 500 on January 1st. It's time to just, you know, let the roster play itself out, bring Usman Jang back into the lineup, give him 20 minutes a night, really start to play the young guys and, and focus on development versus, you know, making a huge push for the plan. Like that, that decision is going to have to be made at some point. And I think the seven game homestand similar to this five game road trip could be very uh, influential or pivotal in which decision is ultimately made. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Looking at the stat sheet, just a few more things that we haven't pointed out. Um, For the Mavs, almost had two players with triple doubles. They ended up not having a single player with the triple double, but Luca. Uh, 38 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, so he was 2 assists shy of a triple-double. Spencer Dinwiddie had 20 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, so he was 3 rebounds shy of a triple-double. Um, combined two guys almost having a triple-double with the fact that Luka had 38 points, with the fact that the, the Mavericks shot 40% from 3 on 54 attempts. Again, the Thunder probably should not have been in this game, but... They have an MVP level player and Shea Gilgis Alexander who produced 42 points tonight. And he was our uncontested player of the game. 
You guys may have seen the graphic on Twitter. 13 to 13 from the line. Like, we all know he's shooting something like 92% from the free throw line this year, which is crazy impressive given he wasn't an elite free throw shooter in the past. He's always been a good free throw shooter, but this season he's taken it next level. Um, 42 points on 23 shots. Like, that is that is something you will take any given night. He had low assist numbers with three. He had really low rebounding numbers with two, but he also had three steals. Um, a couple of those were in, in huge moments. So the fact that SGA is able to, I wouldn't say carry the team because it wasn't like the Thunder were bad tonight. They had, you know, five or six guys in double figures. They had J-Dub with 17 points. They had Isaiah Joe with 12. Giddy had 14. Dort had 12. Um, he didn't carry the team, but he was absolutely the reason that they were able to be in this game and only lose by seven points, despite all the things we just talked about. Like it was a perfect storm for the Mavericks. This easily could have been a game in which they won by 25 or 30 points. Um, Josh Giddy, a really solid game. I mentioned he had 14 points, um, also had five rebounds and four assists. He was two of two from beyond the arc, which I don't need to see anything else. Like, he could have had six points and the only two shots he took were from three. The fact that he made them both is impressive. Um, his ceiling is hinging on his ability to be a shooter and seeing a two of two night for him is it's opt- it's optimistic for, for Thunder fans for sure. Um, Lou Dort kind of the opposite. Um, had a Twitter question that I guess I'll address now. Someone asked like, why does Lou Dort have the green light? Um, it's a hard question to answer. I, I think some of it is the the coaching staff believes in allowing players to feel confident and in, in shooting and developing. Like if you don't play outside of your comfort zone or do things that you normally wouldn't do in a rotation, you're never going to grow as a player. Um, and to be fair, like he only finished with 11 shots. I think early in the game, it was rough. Like I think Dort had eight shots in the first quarter and a half. And you're thinking like, man, why is this guy hoisting so many shots? I don't think he'll ever be told by the coaching staff, like, hey, stop shooting. Like he maybe um, has, uh, it may be suggested to him, like, hey, let's, let's, let's watch some film. Let's like, this was not a good shot. Maybe we, we make an extra pass here, whatever it might be. But Lou Dort was, was rough tonight. Like, let's, let's just call it how it is. Three of 11 from the floor, one of six from three five of six in the line. So his, his stat line was a little bit padded by free throws. Um, without the free throws, he would have only had seven points on 11 shots, which is pretty bad. Um, seven boards, three assists is actually pretty good for Lou. Four turnovers, not great. Um, he's just been up and down. And I guess to, to go back to the Twitter question of why does he have a green light? Um, he has been effective from three this season during stretches. He started out the year abysmal. I think the first 11 games, he was hovering around 20% from three. Um, the 12 games after that, though, he shot, I think, 47% from three, if my memory serves me correctly. So it's not like Lou's been bad all year. Like if we were 26 games into the season and Lou was shooting 20% on the year all year long, like that's a different story. Like I think that we're, we're talking about something different here where maybe the coaching staff is stepping in and, and, saying, hey, let's let's stop hoisting so many threes. But he was for like a 12-game stretch shooting very, very, very well from deep. And it's just finding that consistency. And, and rather than it being 11 games down, 12 games up, it's it's a more steady rate for sure. 
Um, on the Maverick side, we talked about Luca and Spencer, um, almost triple doubles. Tim Hardaway shot the lights out six of 14 from three with 20 points. Um, I thought the, the, uh, the Thunder did a really good job of neutralizing Christian Wood. He's a guy that didn't play a ton of minutes for the Mavericks, despite being their second best player, if not third. Um, 20 minutes tonight, three of nine from the floor, 0 of two from three, just five rebounds. Um, I thought Eugene played solid defense on him and others in the fourth quarter when he came in for that stretch. Um, he's undersized, but he's super strong and and built to be sort of an undersized forward. And I think he played really, really well in Christian Wood. Um, that was really the one thing that Dallas lacked tonight was a center that produced a high number of points. Like the, the bigs did their job on the glass, like the offensive rebounding. We talked about that. Um, but as it relates to their centers, actually scoring points, Dwight Powell had zero Maxi Kleber had eight. Um, Christian Wood had eight. JaVale McGee didn't play. So if you take all the guys that played center for them tonight, you've got a total of 16 points. And that was a combined quick math here. 31, 20, 15, like 65 minutes from their bigs and only 16 points. So the Thunder didn't allow their bigs to dominate the game, which we've seen in the past. Like usually it's the stars that dominate the Nikola Jokic that has his season high against the Thunder um, the Mavs are more center by committee um, and they did dominate the glass, but not, not the, not the scoring category. So, so props to the Thunder there. It's the one thing the Mavericks could not get done tonight was, was scoring points in the paint. And why would you need to, if you shoot 40% on almost 55 threes, um, it was, it was absolutely a perimeter game tonight and the Mavericks did what they needed to do to, to pull off the win. Um other Twitter questions. Um, why no Wiggins minutes of late? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, I, he, he's good when he plays. Like Wiggins is never going to be this stat sheet stuffer, but he impacts winning for sure. Like he goes out there, he plays good defense. Um, he can score the ball when he when he's set up for. Like I don't think he's a guy that creates very well for himself. Similar to Isaiah Joe, like he will, he'll knock down a three. Um, he's a good cutter. He can, he can score around the rim. He plays a variety of positions, um, defends a lot of positions. I, I think Wiggins should play more minutes, but it's, it's a good problem to have. Like when you've got a rotation of guys that all play hard and play well, and they're young and you can see the future working out for this team with guys like Usman, Usman Jang, not even on the roster tonight. Um, it's, it's promising. Like it, it is a weird situation in which Wiggins doesn't play, but the fact that he's not playing tells you this team has depth and they have young talent to um, ultimately be good and accomplish the goals they went to down the road. Um, last Twitter question, explain Baisley playing down the stretch when he has no offensive impact. Um, I think the question was answered in itself. Like he doesn't have offensive impact, but he's playing down the stretch still because he does other things. Um, Baisley's as much slack as he gets. And as, as frustrating as it is to see him catch the ball, do a jab step and have tunnel vision. He's a good defender. He's a versatile defender. He can, he can guard bigs as an undersized five. 
He can guard wings um, in certain scenarios as well because he moves his feet and he's he's long. He's athletic. Um, so I think he was in the game to answer the question, playing down the stretch because of his defense. Um, I think if it was a game in which um, the Thunder were down 15 and they just needed points, sure. But in a seven-point game down the stretch, you need more than points. You need stops. And I think Darius Baisley is the guy that gets you stops. He generates steals. He generates um, blocks, just turnovers in general. Um, I think that's the reason he was playing late is because of that defensive impact. Um, so to, to, to recap here, again, final score of 121 to 114. The, the Thunder fall to the Mavericks in the final game of a five-game road trip. Um, two and three on that stint. Impressive for the, for the young Thunder. Again, the, the, the youngest team in the entire NBA. Um, moving forward, a seven-game homestand. This week, it will start with the Miami Heat on Wednesday the Minnesota Timberwolves on Friday and the Memphis Grizzlies on Saturday. Uh, the Thunder enter that homestand with an 11 and 16 record. So again, fascinating to see where they sit after the homestand. Are they right back in the playoff picture or play in picture rather, or are they buried in the, uh, the lost column? And, and it might be a, a pivotal moment at the end of this homestand late December. Um, Anyways, we'll be back with you guys Wednesday post-game after the Miami Heat in Oklahoma City. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.